Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friend and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris, your host, and I am pleased I'm having a ball going through the words of Jesus with you. And uh, I really love for the red words in the scriptures to be so familiar to you that uh, naturally when you come to a point in your life when you are looking for direction or you're just wondering what would Jesus do, that you can indeed think red ink. That's what we're all about at Think Red Ink Ministries. Um, I'd love for you to visit our website, thinkredink.com. And uh, whatever materials you see there or anything that, anything we can help you with, will you let me know? I would love to hear from you. You can write me at info at thinkredink.com. You can write to me personally, Don, at thinkredink.com. Love to hear from you. We are into Chapter 7 of the little book called The Words of Jesus. And um, uh, those of you that are wondering what the little book is, um, it, uh, it simply takes the red words from um, the scriptures and has just shown us uh, what Jesus actually said while he was here on the earth. Um, the translation is dubious. I, I don't know. I, I, they claim that it's uh, King James, but uh, I happen to know that it's not. Um, I, I don't know why they do that, but they do. Uh, it's it's close enough to King James to keep me happy anyway. I, I happen to like the King James Bible. I don't really feel any threat about reading the King James. Some people do. I encourage people to learn how to to read the King James Bible, uh, to, to learn the uh, Elizabethan English, um, because, um, well, it's just uh, been... Um, in my experience and what textual criticisms that I have involved myself in in different translations and such, I really appreciate the King James Bible. I have other favorites. I hate to even mention them because some people feel like that they're awful heretical Bibles, but uh, they are extremely accurate. And uh, so I happen to appreciate them. But the King James is one that I grew up with. And it's the one that I read first of all. Uh, another complaint that, uh, that happens from time to time is people say, he doesn't give references when he quotes the scripture. Well, you know, there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is, is I despise <laughs> the idea of uh, Bible teachers and such, and such who uh, give references for the express purpose of proving a point. You know, it says it in, you know, Second Opinions 13.1. Like, that's the end-all and be-all. If there's a a reference to it, then somehow it's true. Um, No, it's true because it is true. It's false because it is false. Um, And if we just need to have that kind of discernment, it doesn't matter what scriptures you're reading. I don't care what what translation you want to read or whatever else. As long as you're spending time before the Lord... You're keeping his commandments. You're not disobeying his conscience. You're not in any trouble. You're not gonna. You're not gonna find yourself having gone astray because somebody translated the scriptures in some way that 
doesn't agree with, you know, 65% of the theologians out there. Who really cares? Uh, I mean, when it comes down to it, the Lord God speaks to us in our own language, within our own soul, and it comes up from inside. That, uh, that language is just pure. And uh, that's why the Bible says every word of God is pure. That's why it says that. It's not talking about this book. It's talking about the words of God. Every word of God is pure. It's, it's unadulterated. You can't spell it wrong. Um, and I encourage people to have a relationship with God just like that. And nothing short of that. Um, we don't need to be scouring through our Bibles trying to find out what we believe. Um, it's, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't really serve anything other than make us really good arguers in Sunday school. <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's relax and enjoy ourselves. The other reason that I don't give references is because you ought to know it. And when I say something is that the Bible says... You should say, you know what? I remember reading that. We don't. This is not a soundbite theology. This is not pulling a scripture here and a scripture from there and what we memorized in Sunday school and what we stood up in front of the church and recited and got our little ribbons for or, or our you know little sword drills or whatever else we do as we're growing up and growing through Christianity. But uh, the scriptures ought to be something that you're familiar with in a in a most intimate way. I shouldn't be able to tell you anything that the Bible says that you haven't read before. So, um, okay, there's a couple of reasons why I don't like to give references. Um, I don't know, it's just it's got a nasty air to it somehow. <laughs> uh, I, can you tell I've, I've been around some pretty dogmatic preachers in my life, and... Uh, I just, uh, I don't know. It's just it's just something that doesn't sit right with me. So you, just something you're going to have to put up with. All right, uh, in the seventh chapter, we find that uh, this is the encounter that Jesus and Nicodemus had. One night, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus and said, Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered, Why, thank you, Nicodemus, and you're a wonderful man too. May I shake your hand? No, see, he he didn't say that, did he? Isn't it odd that this greeting from Nicodemus was, you know, you're a wonderful man from God. I can see him with his paw stuck out there and, and doing a little glad hand and job with Jesus, you know, and Wanting to know, wanting to tell him, you know, I'm your friend and I appreciate what you're doing. And Jesus, he doesn't even acknowledge this compliment. He doesn't acknowledge that he's, well, I'm so happy for you, Nicodemus, that, that you believe in me and that, that, you, that you care about the things of God or that, oh, you know, that's very discerning of you or anything. He didn't say anything to him except, hey, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm thinking, all right, right to the point. Here we go. But um, this is this is not a piece of 
uh, of script that got you know burned or torn out or anything. This is a, this is exactly the way this conversation took place. And here you have Nicodemus wanting to be buddies, and Jesus is saying, "Let's get down to business. I know why you're here. I know what's on your mind. Uh, do you know that the term born again?" is not necessarily a Christian term. This was well known by the Jews. Uh, they, they had uh, their term born again. They had their criteria by which it comes about in a person's life. They had evidences that they would uh, you know, uh, impose, imply, test people by or whatever to determine whether or not a person was born again. They, matter of fact, I think the Jewish term was born from above, but uh, it was always in question. There was a group of people, uh, we know them as um, Essenes, uh, that were uh, irrevocably dedicated to copying out and preserving Scripture. You probably remember or are familiar with the, the term or the description of the Dead Sea Scrolls. These were found in uh, a cave at Qumran uh, in what uh, they have decided was a scriptorium. A scriptorium is a place where scribes uh, would copy out the scriptures, um, and, they, and a lot of these scriptures were placed into uh, jars and, and kept and sealed, and this is what was found by the little Bedouin shepherd boy uh, you, do you realize that that is uh, a contemporary event that happened essentially in our lifetimes? Well, it was what, 1948. And um, because uh, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found that a whole lot of our scriptures are extremely accurate. Extremely accurate. And uh, it, was, it was really a, a wonderful find. Um, I happen to believe that the scriptures are a gift to um, our modern man. Uh, if you think about it, uh, the people who worship their Bibles and who feel like salvation comes by a familiarity with words on a page, um, it, it has a fatal flaw in that particular philosophy, and that is that the written documents, although there are written documents that are thousands of years old, uh, there weren't many people that had copies of the scriptures. Um, and as I told you before, it was Jesus' habit, because he didn't own a Bible, um, he used to go down to the town hall, what they call a synagogue, and on the Sabbath day, that's one thing that they would do. They would pull out the scrolls of the scriptures and they would read them. And they didn't; they, they weren't reading for rhetoric. They weren't reading for practice. They weren't even reading in order to memorize. They were reading as a service to people who, number one, couldn't read if they had a scroll, and number two, most people didn't have scrolls. And so the idea of everybody having a Bible, much less in our day where everybody has six or eight of them, uh, I mean, they're color-coordinated to the clothes we wear to church. Um, but um, 
th there was a time when they just were not available as they are today. The, um, the Essenes uh, were a, a group of, um, of Pharisees that um, were dedicated to uh, copying out the scriptures and to have a, a, um, a, a record, an accurate record of, of the scriptures. And scribes were, it's a very interesting science. If you look into it, you'll find that uh, uh, even today we have uh, in, in computer, dealing with computer languages, we have what's called checksums. And this is where uh, a, a computer will check to see if a certain line of programming, um, if, if its checksum doesn't line up with the checksum that's assigned to it, it throws it out saying that there's a flaw in it somewhere. They actually had those kinds of uh, safeguards involved, and I'm talking about the Essenes now. I'm talking about uh, scripture translation when that's really not my subject. But it is an interesting science if you look at it. There was great pains taken to make sure that these scriptures were uh, copied accurately. Um, by the counting of letters and even the uh, the values of letters and you know counting across and counting down and counting uh, these it, it it wasn't just somebody sitting there reading and somebody else writing or somebody just looking at a word and then writing it and looking at the next word and writing it it was it was uh, it was very important to them to make sure these things were accurate. Well, one other thing that uh, the Essenes were um, uh, famous for doing, well, one of the things that they, that they practiced, was that should you want to be a part of their group, you wanted, to be, you wanted to be a part of their church, so to speak, uh, they had um, certain criteria that they essentially checked people by and uh, one of the things that they did that I wish to goodness <laughs> that people uh, that have uh, groups of religious people today would uh, practice, and that is they put you on probation for two years. They wanted to see what your level of dedication was. You remember when uh, they would go, they'd wander out to the Jordan River and, and ask John to baptize them? What did John tell them to do? He said, go home. And uh, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. Now, Old English again. But what he's saying is, is I want to see repentance in your life so that when you, um, so that when you come here to, to, to be baptized, it's not in question whether or not you have actually repented. Well, the Essenes uh, made that uh, two years' time. If uh, you know what you, know, you read, different things, different places. But um, it, it was not a matter of just slipping your hand up and coming up in front of the church and having everybody vote on you. No, it was a matter of two years' time. Um, they were not under the impression that people were instantaneously born again instantaneously regenerated, instantaneously saved. 
and uh, and therefore, because you were saved, then now you can be baptized into a church. They didn't have that idea at all. Um, that came along when we were all trying to build churches and build one larger than the one next door. Um, so uh, Nicodemus was familiar with the term being born again. However, it was very ill-defined in those days. Um, Jesus came straight to the point when Nicodemus was there. It was obvious that that is what he came to talk to Jesus about. Uh, And uh, the conversation continues that Nicodemus was... um, sort of an antagonist against the idea of being born again because he was he was saying to Jesus how can how can this be so uh, you know can a can a man enter his mother's womb and be born again well he wasn't really asking that he knew better than that he was just um, w- what he was doing was he was taking their discussion Uh, their argument, so to speak, and throwing it into what's called the ad absurdium argument. And uh, I find this a lot with Bible arguers and Bible worshipers. They will say, and and here's the way you know you're being (laughs) led in that direction. And that's when somebody says, so what you're telling me is now they're, they're about to take um, a principle, an idea, a doctrine, and and they're about to throw it into an absurdity that makes what you're saying an impossibility. You've you've seen this. Uh, it it happens all the time. Um, uh, it ha- I'll tell you, uh, there are a lot of people who, uh, as they read the scriptures, they realize you know. I think the Lord wants us to keep the Sabbath day. <laughs> I don't see anywhere in here where Sunday has be has replaced the Sabbath day. So they want to please God. They want to do what's right. So they say, I think, uh, I think I need to start keeping the Sabbath. Well, that's fine until you tell somebody that that's what you want to do. Two things will happen. Uh, you will be descended upon by every kooky Sabbath day keeping person on the face of the planet uh, wanting to uh, pull you into their particular denomination or faith or group or whatever else. But the other thing that will happen is that your Christian friends will take your decision, which is a good and wholesome and right decision, by the way, but they will take it and throw it into the ad absurdium argument. They'll say, oh, so you're going to start keeping the Sabbath day, so I guess you're going to start sacrificing animals now too, huh? And <laughs> you think, wow, man, how did we get from obeying the Lord in a simple thing like not working on the, on Saturday to sacrificing animals? Well, what this is is when people make a, they make an argument into absurdity so that they don't have to do whatever it is that's been revealed to them to do. Isn't that sad? But um, unfortunately, it happens 
all the time. We're going to find it happens here. Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Perplexed by the answer, he wasn't perplexed. Nicodemus asked, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This, this is a, a prime example of, of this ad absurdum argument. Jesus answered, Verily I say unto you, Except he be born again, except he be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Let me take a moment here and show you. Um, you will undoubtedly encounter, if you haven't already, uh, people who will tell you that uh, you must be baptized in water to be saved. Um, they make uh, they make no bones about it. They'll tell you just that way, and they'll quote um, what is it Acts two thirty eight um, uh, that you have to be uh, be baptized uh, in order to be saved, be baptized and be saved. Um, uh, and and there are people who will take this particular conversation where Jesus says. You have to be born of the water and of the Spirit in order to see the kingdom of God. And they say, see there? There it is. Now, I don't know. Before you point at this and say that's what this is saying, I think that if you read this as, it, as it's written, I think that it will become apparent to you that Jesus is talking about the two births, not the one birth of being born again, but the two births. There's also a lot of uh, symbolism in what he's saying here that will help us. He says, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he says, he is there's a there's a rule not a rule but there's a practice in Jewish prose. Instead of saying something is really 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 important, <laughs> um, they will they will say what they're trying to say in one way, and then they will say it again in another way. They reiterate what they have said. Uh, they, they, reiterating it in different words, which brings a uh, uh, more attention to what they're saying. When he says, except a man be born of the water, he's saying, born of the flesh. And then he says, and, he, and of the spirit, then he says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I'll read it all together so you can see what I'm talking about here. Because Nicodemus has brought in the fleshly birth and saying that once a man is born and then he is old, how can he be born again? 
That's an impossibility. Jesus is being kind to him because I don't think Nicodemus was bewildered at all. I think that he was trying to make an argument against the idea of being born again. That for Nicodemus it was, I obey the laws, I do what God says, therefore, you know, I'm entering the kingdom of heaven. Which Jesus would not argue with, but that's not all Jesus came to do. If all Jesus came to do was to get us into the kingdom of God, all he's got to do, well, shoot, let me let's face facts. The, the, the regenerative, regenerative part of our Christian experience is what Jesus came to do. We had the law for 3,500 years. We had the ability to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told the rich young ruler, do you want to uh, have eternal life? Do you want to en enter the kingdom of heaven? Keep the law. He says, well, I've been doing this since I was a kid. I've been doing this all my life. He says, this do, and thou shalt live. So if the law had that ability to grant us life inside the kingdom of God, then what was Jesus doing here? Well, the little guy who was asking him the question uh, made it very clear that, I, look, I know this is the way I've been living. I know. I get it. I, I understand. This is what I've done. But what lack I yet? When you keep the law of God, you open up a communication between you and God, and he's able to, he's able to uh, expose yourself to yourself. And if anybody sees themselves in that way, there's a feeling of desperation that comes over us. Has it ever come over you? Have you ever wondered how in the world am I going to quit being the way I am? How am I going to, how am I going to get control of my life? How am I going to get control of my mind? How am I going to do this? Well, Jesus is saying there's such a thing as being born again. Nicodemus brought the flesh part up. And Jesus says, no, being born of the water, or being born of the flesh, and you know, I think he's talking about ambionic fluid, to tell you the truth. I think that it's descriptive of being born of the Spirit, to be baptized in that Spirit, to be, a, to, to be in the fluid and the fluid in you, to be in the Spirit and the Spirit in you. This is being baptized in the Spirit of God. And he says, when a person does that, now we're talking about somebody who's being born of the Spirit of God. It's exciting, isn't it? All right, our time's gone. We want you to join us here next time. We're going to hear more of the words of Jesus. We want to hear from you. Let me give you my email address. Send an email to don at thinkredinc.com. Or you can write to Think Red Ink Ministries, PO Box 718. Pie Town, New Mexico, 87827. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com.
That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.